Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Decade, everyone. Uh, you know, it's it's still January, so I believe that I can still still say that and still get away with it. Uh, you know, anytime you face a new year, you obviously want to look forward. What are my plans for the years, my hopes, you know, my resolutions, whatnot. But it's also a time for reflection, a time to look backwards. Uh, and, and not just because this episode features uh, some people that I've known for close to two decades, but also because I want to mention and celebrate the life of a really, really dear friend who passed away just before the new year. And his name is Dave Osper. Dave is someone who I met on the very first production I ever worked on. Um, so I'm definitely feeling a little bit in a nostalgic mood here. Um, you know, people oftentimes ask me what my advice for my younger self is, since that's, of course, the question I end all these podcasts with. And when I think about that, I really do think about Dave. Uh, I was 25 years old. I had only really worked office jobs up until that point, And I was lucky enough to get put onto the Road Rules team, Road Rules South Pacific, uh, which I know sounds really exotic, but I didn't get to travel to Tahiti or New Zealand or any of the other places they got to go, Fiji and whatnot. Um, I got to sit in an office in Van Nuys and come up with challenge ideas. And I got to do that with Dave. And I just remember meeting him for the first time. And he was just a breath of fresh air. He was a few years older than me. So he already had a little bit of life experience on me. And I just thought, wow, this guy is so effing cool. He just had enthusiasm and a smile on his face all the time. He had great stories of, you know, Norman Lear telling him to get out of television and work in video games. You know, he had great stories about all his old, you know, frat brothers and, you know, crazy things he did at USC. Not that I guess you would compare dumb college stuff to, you know, to Norman Lear, but, but I guess I just did. Um, you know, he had the cool apartment in Hollywood and the, and the girlfriend he was in love with and, you know, kind of all these things that as a, you know, impressionable new to the workforce kind of person to, to be lucky enough to be in his orbit and to kind of really learn the nuts and bolts of production through his super enthusiastic lens, um, was just something that I'll be forever grateful for. You know, as the years went on, uh, we stayed friends, not everyday friends, because our lives definitely went in different directions. I did fall in love with, to my super cool girlfriend and got married and had a family. And, and you know, that is not the path that Dave's life took. But wow, did we have a great time together in that conference room in Van Nuys. We came up with some really wild ideas. Um, you know, the Road Rules cast took on the world's strongest man. Um, in a competition. Uh, they did like a thunder from down under type review, which actually led to someone getting sent home while they argued and, and, and fought. I think there were punches even thrown, um, you know, while the guys were in their kind of banana hammocks. And, you know, it just, it just was an amazing time in my life. And, you know, if I think back to that show um, and just the three of us, Dave, myself, and another gentleman, Adam, sitting in conference room, standing on balance boards and throwing darts against the wall, we were able to create ideas from our brains that then translated to the masses and had an effect on people, um, made people feel. And there's really no better better feeling than that. So, um, you know, Dave, unfortunately, we lost him to cancer uh, way, way before his time. He will be missed. I will never forget him. Um, I uh, know he was loved. And... Uh, you know, if there's any call to action here, it's 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 not to leave me a five star review, though. You know, I'll always take those. Um, but it's to it's to pick up the phone. You know, it's more than just texting. It's more than just emailing. Actually, pick up the phone and call somebody who you've been thinking about 
and haven't spoken to in a while and tell them that you love them. Because when I heard this news, I checked my text history and realized that we hadn't spoken in, in a couple of years. And that sucks because he's gone and I'll never have the chance to speak with him again. So please do that for me. Please do that for yourself. And, you know, beyond that, I guess any other advice from my 25-year-old self would be what I tell my kids. Work hard, have fun, slow down, and of course, choose kind. The reason how The Miz came about was I wasn't liked by anyone in the, in the house. Like I said the wrong things. I did the wrong things. Nobody understood me. It was it was very difficult. And it, it was the first time that's ever happened in my, like usually I'm, I'm pretty likable. Like not likable, but like I can get along with anybody. I can talk to anyone, that kind of thing. And so then I just said, you know what? I'm going to create this wrestling character called The Miz. And it's going to say everything that I'm feeling and, and, and not care about any of the repercussions. And it ended up happening where I did it so much that the, the castmates, that's the one thing they liked about me. And they loved The Miz more than they liked Mike. Welcome, friends, to Exec Producer. I'm your host, Noah Pollock. Every episode of Exec Producer offers a deep dive into one of your favorite shows from the point of view of both the producer who dreamt it up and the executive who championed it. Where the idea came from, the hurdles they faced in selling it, and ultimately, how it made it to air and into popular culture. I've worked as an executive at four separate networks, and I've produced and overseen hundreds of hours of television. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I hope to share some of that wisdom with you. So settle in, turn it up, and enjoy. And please also remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Instagram at EP with NP. So with that, thank you again, and enjoy the show. Okay, we are rolling uh, from the Calabasas home of Mike and Maurice Mizanin. The stars of Ms. and Mrs., um, as well as probably if there were parentheses around the title, it would say Mike, or sorry, it would say Ms. and Mrs. and Russell, because we're joined by Russell J. Staglick. Did I say that? That's right. Yes. I it's know. weird. Actually, it's, isn't it weird saying like <laughs> that, that the whole name? Like I'm used to Russell J., Russell yes. J., Russell J., Russell J., oh. 20 years ago, Russell J., Russell J. Now I know. It's Russell J. Staglick. And I had it phonetically and everything, but I'm just so, right? You run, it's, it's, it's too much, exactly what you said. But you also hit on something, which is that I've known Russell a long time, as I've known you a long time, Mike. Yeah, we've all known each other, I would say, from The Real World Back to New York, season 10, back when I did it in 2000. So 19 years we've known each other. Uh, Going I on 20. The, the first time I ever went to Los Angeles, you picked me up at the airport. I stayed at your house, and then once you moved out, I took your room in the rent. So, uh, so yeah, thanks for that. You actually set me up here in LA. Well, it was my pleasure. You know what? We, you were always, always, truly such a genuine, incredible person who worked hard, and I could tell was on his way to great things. I swear. You know, I'm Nostradamus. Yeah. I knew you would have all these championships. You think? Oh, totally. You think? <laughs> totally. It's funny. You knew me before I even started wrestling. But so, but so, how did you guys meet? Because we first, I mean, we met for the second time earlier today, and you told me that story that you picked him up at the airport. And then the first thing I thought, I was like, "How did you guys? How did we meet?" So, is it the so, real world? Because so I've, never, was, I've never seen the real world. So at that time, he was. <laughs> you still he haven't was, seen the I real world. Not seen no, it. she won't watch it. What? No, so, I, I just don't have time. Yes, you do have time. You have plenty of time. It's just that we don't get the VHS out because all my, by the way, all my real worlds, 
that Butimer used to send me all my real worlds on VHS. So I'm all on tape. I've so, seen a part of it when he walks and he's drunk and he's just talking to himself. Yeah, I don't I, I don't like showing that episode. <laughs> but uh, but so I met Noah through he's Scott Freeman's assistant. Scott okay. Freeman was the head of one of the heads of Buna Murray at the time. Mm-hmm. Russell J was like a PA. When no, I no, no, no. You no. were at a you no. had a desk job. You I, were a, you were getting coffee for people. No, I met Mike. I don't earlier. think Mike remembers this, and I've told him this story at least five times. I met you in St. Louis in 1999. Oh my God! You were Mike auditioning. He was auditioning for I Want to Be a MTV VJ. And I was there. I worked at a radio station. I was broadcasting live. And Ellen was there, who ended up getting cast for the Road Rules that yes. same season. Well, he you was, know I met Ellen in line? I met you in line. Yeah, but I met Ellen. her in line. <laughs> but I, I never met, tried out, by the way. Oh, you didn't? No, because I didn't have two forms of ID. Oh, I only crazy. had one, and I had no idea. So before he was even cast on The Real World, I had met this crazy kid. I was, uh, at the time, I was uh, on air working for a radio station, and I was broadcasting live there at this event in St. Louis, and then I met this kid. And he was just, he literally stood out in the crowd. He's, you, he had this personality that I was drawn to him. I was like, I want to go interview him. And you were with Ellen, I remember that, mm-hmm. and I don't know how this I wasn't was. with her. We, she was, she was in a line. line. She, like, she was in front of me in line. But so like literally we were all talking, like everyone in line was talking and everyone was trying to get to know each other because you're, you're there. Like back in the day, you used to stand in line and wait to try out for shows. Mm-hmm. There was probably what, 30,000 mm-hmm. people trying out. And I would say in St. Louis, there's probably maybe 5,000 in line. Yeah, it was crazy. So yeah, I mean, and I remember standing in line for the real world and I didn't have to, but my buddy from Miami of Ohio was like, dude, I want to try out for the real world too. Cause I already, I sent in a video. And by the way, back then, how you edit a video is you have a VHS tape and you put it in one VHS, uh, VHS, and you put the other one in the other VHS and you press record and play and you're like editing. <laughs> that's how you edit it. You didn't have like Apple and that kind of stuff. So that's how I did it. And then I was already in the second round, which was like a 50 page application. Yeah. And that's when my buddy was like, wow, you made it the second round. I was like, yeah. He's like, I want to try out. I go, I'll go with you. Let's go to Detroit. So we drove up to Detroit. And I'll never forget, um, we stood in line. There was, I would, I honestly believe there was probably 10,000 people in that line. We waited all night. Uh, finally, we get to a, like a, a seating area where there's 15 people sitting there. Georgia. Do you remember Georgia? Uh, Georgia, yeah. yeah. Georgia. Anthony Dominici's wife. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Georgia was the person there uh, at the head of the table and she was conducting the whole interview. And then all of a sudden, like she just was like, all right, hey, you, you and you, can you stay after? And I was one of the person. I mean, it's insane. And I think we talk about a lot on the show about how hard it is for a show to get made. You know, all it takes about a thousand yeses. It just takes one no, one thing to go wrong. But the same is probably true of becoming a WWE superstar, right? I mean, she's got the best story about that. Oh, boy. My version or your version? Uh, you do your version first, <laughs> and then I'll tell them all my version. I flew from Montreal to Los Angeles. That was, what, 2005, 2006? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2005. And I remember in the plane, because um, I knew I was going to have to, you know, speak English. No, no, you know, I couldn't speak. So my friends back home, they wrote me, a, they gave me a journal with answers, just like questions, potential questions. <laughs> Because she didn't speak I, any English. I learned them in the plane on my way to LA. Um, and I remember when I got on stage, um, 
Mike was a judge, one of the judge, and Mike stopped me from because you said, "What did you say?" What so, did you ask so everyone was giving cookie cutter answers. You know, I'm I'm the best diva. I'll be the best WWE superstar because I'll give 110. percent I'll work hard. I can't, I'll, rem- da, 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 da. I can't remember what I, to this day. I can't remember what you asked me, but I remember talking and you said to me, "Stop. Uh, we don't need a beauty pageant answer." Yeah, and that, I was like, "Well." Okay, then we're not gonna talk. <laughs> so the answer she gave, like she she planned this whole answer this whole time. So she started doing the answer, and I, unbeknownst to me, I was like, "Look, we don't want this, you know, beauty pageant answer. I want to know the real you. I want to see what's gonna stand you out from all these other women that are here today. What's gonna stand you out from all of them?" Now, obviously, she stood out. She walks into a room, people turn and look, and it's not just beauty, it's a presence, it's an aura that she has. So, well, thank you. So she made so, it to the next round. So, but um, when, I remember when you said that to me, uh, it's just, you know, you have this very, you play a villain on TV, you know, you have this me? very like obnoxious, Never. loud personality. <laughs> and I was like, look at this guy right now, messing up my whole thing. <laughs> you know, I flew from Canada and then this guy over there sitting there with his blue eyes and he's kind of cute. <laughs> And he's like, he's, you know, I can't even speak. Like, I, I didn't know what to say. And I remember making it to the next round and he was still there and he was still trying to mess with me. And I just lost it and started to speak French and I couldn't stop talking. And it was just back, 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 back. And Allow me to back up a little bit. So that's his version. <laughs> so, so she makes it to the next round. And then the next round, we kind of have her, um, like, I just stood on the stage and I would go, speak to me. Like uh, you would, you would uh, going up against but, but, someone but see, or something like his that. his demeanors right now, the way he's he, like, he's, you know, speak to me. Like- I would, but I was trying, I was trying to help her, <laughs> but I, I, but I, yeah. Well, yeah, but I was trying to help her. Right. I'm trying to help her like, you know, get something out of her because she can't speak. It's like, hello, what's your name? My name, Maris. Okay. Thank you very much, ma'am. Uh, is there anything you can tell us about you? I don't speak. English. Great. Wonderful. Fantastic. <laughs> By the way, our our entire audience, you know, we're worldwide, but you need to kind of have some sort of, I don't care if there you speak like English. There was like a thousand women that they also, they're trying to, and I was freaking out because they were just. So here's what happened. So the next round, we, uh, the execs, myself and uh, Ashley Massaro, the other host, we all sat down and we're like, all right, who do we like? And one of the guys, the execs thought she had it. She was like, look, Every time she comes to the room, the aura is there. The, the personality is there. Not. And everyone was like, yeah, but she, we don't, she, she hasn't spoken. Like, we don't know what she can do on the microphone. You know, it's one thing to be, you don't want to be one dimensional. You don't want to be a one trick pony. You want to have it all. So I wanted to see if she had it all. So I said, what do you say if we have her cut a promo in French? And so we were all were like, okay. And if she does, then she'll be, she'll move on. So we get in there and, uh, we go, uh, Marie, I go, Maurice, uh, would you speak a promo in French? I don't she know goes, what promo goes, is at that. Promo? <laughs> promo? I go, yeah, uh, uh, speak. Uh, like WWE, speak to me. Like you're fighting me. Like I'm, I'm showing your position. Like, I'm like, I'm like putting my fists up, like fight. You fight me, you know, with my hands, like gestures, just trying to show her what to do. And she's like, oh, me speak you, me, you. Okay. And all of a sudden, you just see the light switch on and she just starts speaking French. She gets up in my face I went and down I the don't stage know on, in what face. she was saying, but I was scared. 
I was terrified and I was turned on all at the same time. <laughs> and it was awesome. And, and as soon as she left, everyone goes, she's in. Yeah, it was incredible. Isn't it crazy though how a, a little thing like that can just change your whole world? Because if they would have never said, hey, can you cut a promo in French? I would have just flew back home and never heard back from anyone probably because obviously it's... And it was Mike's suggestion? Uh, to cut the well, off. okay, so... Yes, yeah, it was. Okay. She doesn't <laughs> like to give me credit. I always tell her... Thanks, uh, Russell J. I, messing with her, I like to go, I like to go, you know I got you your job, right? Oh but my it's God. definitely 100% not true, but I will definitely joke with her all the time with you that. Would, oh yeah, he loves to brag. And he's going to be telling this story at your daughter's wedding. Oh, though, yeah. Right? He's, he's be been telling it a lot. I know. He's... Mike Mike is Mike's number one fan. Big know? time. <laughs> likes, likes to take credit. I, I like Big time. <laughs> but, but, uh, but so my story with WWE was a little different. So I, when I first came out to LA, I lived at your apartment. And, uh, and so I said, all right, what are all the tools that I need to become a WWE superstar? You remember this. I went to wrestling school every, uh, I think it was... Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday was wrestling school. So that was called UPW, Ultimate Pro Wrestling at the time. Had to pay $2,500 to start my uh, journey into professional wrestling. I went to an acting coach, Steven Anderson, in this in the Valley. And uh, that was every Wednesday. And then I also went to improv classes at the Groundlings as well as Improv Olympics because wow. I said, okay, what are all the tools that I need to become a WWE superstar? I just don't want to be an every average everyday superstar. I want to know everything. So I was learning the art of professional wrestling. I was learning how to act. And meanwhile, I was doing those. Uh, do you remember going to Sonoma State? Yes. So Buna Murray, after I was done with the real world, Buna Murray actually paid for me to learn how to speak in front of a live audience. And we went to a college course class and we had to learn how to kind of uh, do motivational speeches or speak about diversity. All the things that college students go through that the real worlders go through, that's how we can make money. So the way I made money was not only from doing the challenges, but from going to Sonoma State, Sonoma State with Noah and uh, learning how to speak in front of an audience. And then colleges would hire me to go to their schools. And I used to do speeches all across colleges I never graduated, <laughs> never graduated from Miami, Ohio, but I, I, I used to do that to make money. And then I would do challenges to also make money. So I didn't have to have like a quote unquote real job so I can go pursue the job I really wanted, which was being a WWE superstar. And they were always supportive with that. I would bring my t-shirts on, promote anytime I was doing, you know, on those shows, I was like, I need to promote. So WWE maybe can see me on this show and say, Hey, this guy is something he's, he's, he's a star on this show. Why can he be a star on our show? while all also doing all those things. So finally, it actually paid off tough enough, which you could win a WWE contract, um, came lurking around, and I wasn't allowed to do it because it was on MTV. But this was the first season it wasn't going to be on MTV. And so they were like, and back then, you weren't allowed to do two or three shows. Now you see people doing shows every which way. Back then, it wasn't like that. If you were on the real world, you were stuck on the real world and the challenges, that's all you were allowed to do. That's that's our that's our property, that's us, that's all you're allowed to do. But once um, Tough Enough got onto the, I believe it was SmackDown, they were doing it during the show, which was on the CW at the time. Um, I got on the Tough Enough. There was 50 people that tried out um, at in like Venice, California. And I was one of the lucky eight that made it on. And uh, from there, I didn't win the contest. I got in second, but I think the execs saw the heart, the determination, and passion I had. And by the way, this time, the execs weren't picking 
who won tough enough. It was the fans. And, you know, coming from a reality background, you're hated. You're ultimately hated, not only in Hollywood. Back, This is back then, by the way. Back in 2004, when there was only like five or six reality shows out there, you were hated uh, in Hollywood. Like no one respected you. You were a no-talent hack and you couldn't do anything. And so WWE took a chance on me and they they realized, you know, that I really wanted, it was a passion. And so I had to move from LA to Atlanta to um, start deep South wrestling where I started training there. Well, you talk about this and I think we're going to touch on all this about how hard you have to work to be successful in this industry and how this show Ms. and Mrs. for all these reasons we're talking about took two decades to make. It really yeah. did. Right. Because, because that's when the Ms. character first came into our lives. That's when you first met Russell. On J. the real world. Yeah. On the he real world. He created that character. Right. I so did, yeah. we always talk about the light bulb on this show. So let's talk about the light bulb for the character that started it all, which was your transformation from the Mike to the Miz. <laughs> you don't know this, by the way, because I was on the real world and you never watched any of my shows. Well, I've heard about it a million times. She hears about <laughs> it all the time. It's funny when when people come up to me Let's and make say, it a million hey, and one. hey <laughs> I, I recognize you from the real world. She's like, I don't get it. Like, why? And by I the way, I think it's actually funny. It's pretty funny to me. Yeah. Um, I've seen little clips, you know, but I do not have a VHS actually. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, we I will buy one if you will watch it, but you don't want to watch. It. I okay, tried to have you watch the, the show. Let's, let's we'll watch it. What about, We're gonna have. No, oh but it's God. crazy. That you That's a storyline for Ms. and Mrs. I'll tell yeah, you exactly. that for one thing. But, right? Isn't it crazy? Can we please that? invite Coral down for that? For that? Oh for that my episode? God! <laughs> right? And and Maurice. Where, did you wonder for a while who's this coral is this someone i have to be worried have about no right? Idea. right but yeah. i mean do you get asked more about john cena or about coral right now in yeah in life uh it, there was a time where yeah it was it was always the the first question was um like how is it is it really real was always the number one question and then the, the other one is is coral a b you know, like, and I was she like, really a yeah, is she really a B? And I would be like, no, she's just strong. Like she has an opinion and she, she's not afraid to state it. And honestly, in my opinion, that's the, like a woman, like that's a strong woman. Oh, Coral is one of the strongest. Yeah. And always, always have nothing but love for her. But yeah. And your relationship with, with one another is what really drove that season. It did. Yeah. It was, man, if, if any, if, if that's, if that show was out in this day and age, I would have been like done you know what i mean like but because as soon as something happens in the world nobody wants to see you learn no one wants to see no one cares if you want to learn about it if you're ignorant apart about whether it's diversity whether it's uh sexuality if you're if you're ignorant and you just don't know and you're, you're sheltered you know and i'm not talking like sheltered sheltered but back then there was no facebook instagram myspace everything wasn't at your hand there was no youtube you know that i mean when you go online, it was like everyone had American online instant messages. And it's like, you know, that's what it was. And you're, you know, going onto the internet. So, I mean, it wasn't all out there. So you got to see people learn on television and see things that, you know, they weren't used to and say things that you're like, you can't say that. And they were like, well, why? Why can't I say that? Because it's X, Y, and Z. And when I went on that show, I said things that that I thought were okay to say, but they weren't. And I didn't know that. And you watched 22 episodes of a guy that had no idea to a guy that was learning and processing, 
trying to understand. He was a sponge. And and I love, I, it's hard for me to watch because it's just like, wow, I can't believe this. But the reason how The Miz came about was I wasn't liked by anyone in the, in the house. Like I said the wrong things. I did the wrong things. Nobody understood me. It was it was very difficult. And it was the first time that's ever happened in my, like usually I'm, I'm pretty likable. Like not likable, but like I can get along with anybody. I can talk to anyone, that kind of thing. So when, when I went on that show, I wasn't liked. I was in New York City. I've never been in such a fast paced place. Mm-hmm. I was working for Arista Records, which is cool. But I mean, it's a new job. It's a new thing. I was... You know, I wasn't really making any money. Like I, I didn't, I was broke. I was in debt. And, and so then I just said, you know what? I'm going to create this wrestling character called The Miz. And it's going to say everything that I'm feeling and, and, and not care about any of the repercussions. And it ended up happening where I did it so much that the, the castmates, that's the one thing they liked about me. And they loved The Miz more than they liked Mike. So it was like I was just giving them the Miz, and I was able to kind of makes me sad. I, my, my heart goes, "Oh, I want to give Mike a hug yeah. right now." <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, poor thing. I know, <laughs> but here you are, still stuck with that name twenty years later. Yeah, I mean, persona. it paid off. I'll tell you what, I I turned something that was uh, almost a negative into a positive, which is I which is what I kind of always try to do. You know, when you're when you're given an opportunity to go on a show, a lot of people complain, say that's not me or they didn't, they portrayed me wrong to those people. I always go, cause I've seen it happen on shows. I've hosted shows mm-hmm. where I've talked to a person outside the camera. And when they go on camera, they're just a different person, mm-hmm. right. whether they know it or they don't know it. They turn they, on. They, they, yeah. They either turn on and they go and they watch it on television. They go, that's not me. And I go, no, that's you. That is exactly, you said all those things. You did all those things. Now are they heightened? Mm-hmm. Of course they are. Like that's, that's what you do with when music is hit and there's slow motion and there's editing. Of course, it'll be heightened, but those are things that you did and said. And so I was always under under the tutelage of I will give you everything. I will give you my entire life on TV because I signed up for this. This is what I signed up for. And the things and I told her before she was going to do Total Divas, I go, listen, you're going to have moments where you're going to have butterflies in your stomach and you're not going to want it to be on television. That's what the people want to see. That's the that's that's. That's the story right there. That's the fun part. And you're going to hate it. You're not going to like it. And you went through it, right? On Total Divas? Yeah. Yeah. And I was, and I had to kind of tell her through it. Well, and you have to trust that you're working with people that you can trust who are not going to take advantage of that vulnerability. And so I guess, yeah, let's fast. But this is, for me, this was the start of something very different because at that point I was with WWE for almost over a decade. And, you know, Mike comes from reality television. I didn't. So for me, that was a lot. It was new. You didn't really and watch TV, reality TV back in no, Montreal because it's no. it's she spoke French. Yeah, and it's up very, until it was, up until it, ten years ago. And I think reality television is very American. I think that back in Canada, it's it's more rare. It's not as now it's very popular, but back then, I don't think it was as big as in, as it is in the states. Right. So, what was your sense of what you were signing up for when Total Divas began? Obviously, you two were already. Couple, were, you, yes. were you married at the time? Uh, or, yeah. Right? I think Newlyweds. for me, right? I think for me, it's having, honestly, a great relationship with the producers. I mean, that's how I got to, uh, that's what, that's how I met Russell J. Um, and I remember talking to you for like two, two, three hours before getting on the show. And 
it's really I think it's really interesting because like you said, the relationship that you have with the people you work with, with the producer is really important to me. That made a huge different difference on what I was kind of allowing myself to do on the show because it's a trust, you know, you build a huge amount of trust and that's really important. And um, I was kind of afraid at first because I didn't have that relationship with uh, with Russell. Mm -hmm. Uh, right now, I have it. So when we go on Miss and Misses and we film, I'm very comfortable with everything, and I I know you know where I'm going with everything. But on Total Divas at first, I wasn't sure. Especially um, when you started that show right out the gates, there was a huge conflict that you right. had with another person. But then again, I love television, and so you, I love bringing things to the yeah. table. And I was like, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna bring you know a hundred percent, knowing not knowing how I didn't know how this was gonna go. To be honest. Um, I had no idea, but I just did it just because I think it's just me. It's probably because your husband, his well, advice, he's such a good uh, producer, by the way, <laughs> saying if you got those butterflies, that's good. Go with your gut. Go for it. We're going to protect you. We're going to make sure. There was sure. a very real situation yeah. in real life that happened, and it, 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 affect, it, it affected careers. It, it affected things. Right. And we won't go into it because it's just. It's just yeah. doesn't matter. It's all good It doesn't now. matter anymore. Yeah. But at but the I, time, mm -hmm. it mattered. And you got to see a piece of it on right. on Total Divas. And, and it was a very sensitive situation because also WWE is my career. This mm -hmm. is something that I, I love my job. This is what I do. This is what I live for. And now I'm going to go onto this reality television show and kind of, you know, it's reality TV. So it's I'm not a character necessarily. And I'm, I'm me, Maurice. And I'm going to be talking about all those details and things. It kind of, it, it's... You know, what's the, there's a, a fine line into, you know, you, you're talking about, I, I can't even explain it, uh, but. But you could probably explain it in French. Right, <laughs> French. I'm trying to like find the wording. Um, but yeah, it's like a fine line in between, okay, is this, this is obviously not going to affect my career, but uh, people are going to see a different side. Do I want people to see that side? Do I not? So you're debating all the time, like, am I going to put everything out there because I have a great career now? I'm going, you know, so to just kind of wrap it up, relationship is really important because that makes a huge difference. And I think that's my biggest thing. And by the way, if you didn't have those concerns and hesitations, right. I would be concerned as a producer because she just wants to be famous. She just wants to be on TV. Of right. course, you should have those hesitations, concerns. And but the, the, our producing style that we do at Buena Murray and myself, which I've learned through, um, you know, John and Mary Ellis and Jeff and Fernaz and Julie Peasy, um, is that talent is always number one. Your relationship with talent is always number one because if you don't have their trust, you have nothing. Our goal is to do 10 seasons right. of this show. Our goal is to do uh, spinoffs. When this whole situation was going down, I we didn't have surprise ambushes. We're like, listen, if you want to tell the story, we can. I'm going to be right there holding but, your hand. And to be totally honest with you also, um, when I signed up to be on the show, mm -hmm. I was told by execs also mm -hmm. to bring it they said maurice we're gonna put you on that show because we we've been working with you for so long we know you can bring it i need you to bring it mm -hmm. and she so, brought it so oh did she I was bring like, it i was like first episode i'm gonna bring it that's what we do you know so uh, that's what i did and then um yeah well but we'll i don't know if you remember this maurice after that <laughs> happened you called me and i was on the phone with you for like an hour and i think there was something you said i don't want that in the show it's like okay not a problem we won't put right. that in the show that's how we build their trust from day one 
And, you know, and then I think that's why we have this such a great relationship, you know. I'm going to go now. check on my newborn. Okay, you do that. <laughs> uh, okay, but, but to that point, though, mm-hmm. eventually Total Divas is what it is, and it's obviously continue, it's been a hit for many years, and right. you know that she brings it. We obviously know Mike, who's been on, by my count, something like 15 series at this point. That's about that. Yeah, I would yeah. say that. But, I, I lost count yeah, a long knows, time ago. Knows what he's doing. How did the conversation evolve to, okay, well, let's give them their own show, right? Like they're on Total Divas. Sure. But let's give them Ms. and Mrs. So I think what happened was they saw our camaraderie in uh, Total Divas. You kind of saw a different side mm-hmm. of myself and Maurice. Both of us played villains on on WWE, but on a reality, we're kind of, I mean, in real life, I think we're good people. I think, very, I, yes. I, very I, I, good people. I think people. we just play. Everyone would agree with that. I think we play very good people that you want to hate. You want to punch. I have a punchable face. I've always <laughs> been told I have a face that people just want to punch. And so. On I, WWE. I, I've, <laughs> not I'm, in real life. I dive into that on WWE, but this could give a whole new platform. And I was always skeptical, skeptical about going on another reality show. And the reason being is because I told myself I'll never go on another reality show again because I want to heighten myself. I want to be better. I want to do better. Because in Hollywood back then, when you were on a reality show, you were like, I honestly felt like I was like the scum of the earth of when it comes to Hollywood. You know, you're at the bottom of the totem pole. Nobody wants you. When I would try to do auditions, nobody cared. Nobody wanted me. Nobody wanted, no, no matter how talented I may or may not have been, nobody cared. So when... Can I say, when we first started filming Total Divas, and and it was the first time they allowed cameras backstage at WWE, Mike would avoid our cameras. I'm like, Mike, what's going on? And like, if a cast member would come and say hi, he would walk away from it. Because I was, I was, you know, when you're, when you're in that mentality for so many years that people are like this and you're trying to get away from it. And I'm trying to branch into WWE where, you know, maybe I'll get a little bit more you know, notoriety, like, I guess what I'm always fiending for is respect, Mm -hmm. respect in the industry, respect from fans, respect from everybody. And when you're on a reality show back then, you didn't get respect. People hated you uh, because you were taking jobs from real actors and this, that, and the other. Back then it felt like that way. So cut to, you know, them coming to me and Maurice and going, Hey, we want to do a reality show with you. So we were asked and uh, we both said, no, we don't want to do it. And cut to two years later, my wife and I were like, we were, we were renovating houses and flipping houses and we were doing really good at it. We were like, you know, this could be a show. So we called Buna Murray and said, hey, would you guys be interested in doing a flipping show with us? So we got a sizzle. We were going to do it in Cleveland with all my friends from back home who were amazing people, just down, down home, good people. And we had a real estate agent. We had a builder, like one of my friends is a builder. One's a real estate agent. The other guy's a money guy. And then it would have us two kind of forking over the money and getting everything in there and making it designed and just being the stars of the show. So we had that sizzle, had it all set up, brought it to WWE. And, uh, cause we wanted to sh- make sure that we could be able to do it. Cause our contract states, anything in entertainment, we have to get approved by WWE. So, um, so then we WWE was like, listen, uh, we don't we we're not interested in this, but we are interested in this. Would you like to do that reality show? And so I was like, no, nah, I don't really want to. And they were like, what can we do to persuade you to go into it? And I'm like, and 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 we we left that meeting and we were talking about it. And I go, you know what? You know, maybe my mentality is wrong. 
you know, I've been, you know, watching her on Total Divas and actually doing a couple scenes with her yeah. on Total Divas. It was fun. I enjoyed it. And I remember how fun it was, you know, being on the real world, being on the challenges. That was fun. I mean, we got to do so many things that were incredible. I'm a competitive person. It was like a sport and it was a fun show and I always had a good time. It was just the repercussions of Hollywood kind of saying, eh, pushing me away, pushing me away that I, I wanted to get away from it. Mm -hmm. And then once I got back into doing Total Divas, I knew I was good at it, you know? And and she was good at it and we were good at it and we're a good, like good couple, like I think. Do we fight? Hell yeah. But we're still our fights, right now. <laughs> our, fights, our fights aren't full of venom. Our fights are misunderstandings and needing to talk. And that's the one thing that we do as a couple, I think, better than a lot of couples and that we can talk through an argument and and we we, we listen to one each another, other a lot we don't think it's not serious yeah you know, that we're lucky that we have that relationship because it's hard to find someone that you can have that type of relationship and dynamic with and yeah. so we we left that and I, I i literally started looking at just the atmosphere like the world like everything's a reality show nowadays I can go on Instagram and I know exactly what the biggest star in the world. I know what The Rock is doing. I know what Kevin Hart is doing. Like, because literally they put everything on Instagram. They have YouTube channels. They have they have Facebook. I know what everyone, everything is a reality show now. And now you look at, you know, TV and these reality people, reality stars are hosting shows. They're in movies. They're on TV. Back then, we, they were pushed away. Now it's almost like, bring right. them to us. And not only that, we were like, listen, if we can have control of this show and do the show that we are proud of, we'll do it. And so we went back and spoke and had a great conversation and said, listen, this is what we want. We want to be executive producers. We want to sit, we don't just want to be an executive producer that just sits back and just has the name. We want to be a part of every discussion every part, we want this to be us. There are a lot of shows, and I'm not gonna say names, where we have celebrities and their names attached to it, and their name is just attached to it. And I don't even know if they even watch a cut. Mike and Maurice are phenomenal. They not only watch a cut, they watch every version of it. And they then review the notes that the network gives, that you know, WWE gives. And then if they disagree with it, they will voice it and explain why they uh, disagree with it. And sometimes you, know, sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. But they are so involved with every single step of the way. He gives music notes. He's like, you know, that music kind of ends a little early. I'm just like, wow. Wow. You know, <laughs> like you, music I know can literally make something yeah. funny or not funny. It's, it helps. We don't have a laugh track. There's no laugh track in this show. So it's not like you can have like a crappy joke and then have a laugh track. And then it's like, oh, that was funny because people are laughing. No, it has to be funny or it has to be a music edit. It has to be a slow-mo edit. Like there are different things that you can maneuver if a joke isn't hitting right that you can do. It's crazy that people watch the show and they go, Oh yeah, it's a 30 minute show. Well, you guys filmed it in like a day or two. I'm like, no. And then <laughs> there's a lot of work going into this. It's not just that let's film for a day and that's it. The editing, the back and forth that we're doing with WWE the network is insane. Oh my God. The, it's not arguments. <laughs> I would never say arguments, but I would say there are discussions. <laughs> there are discussions between us, USA, WWE, Buna Murray. I mean, you got to remember, everyone's trying to make the best show possible. Right. And comedy is subjective. Mm -hmm. You might think something's funny. I might not think it's funny. You have to explain to me why it's funny and why everyone else in the world will think it's funny. And you have to, con you have to basically tell me why. 
And so that's kind of what everyone does to try to make the best show possible. Now, people might be like, wait a second, you're editing, you're doing this, you're doing this. Like the situations that we are in in our show are real. These are real life things that we have done and that we do. And now once we film them, you try to make the best show possible. You try to make it as entertaining as possible. And sometimes music choices, sometimes edits help that. And I feel like you get respect from that too, because sometimes, you know, I'll be honest, when you go back and forth for two weeks, you're like, okay, they, they, they have to think we're crazy or annoying, but we have to do it because we know it's good. So just keep doing it. But, you know, it's a good product. You watch it. The ratings are good. Everyone loves it. So as long as it's like that, we're going to keep doing what we're doing and, and going yeah. back and forth like crazy people. Yeah. And what, you started with 20 and another 20 more have been ordered? Right. I think the proof is in that, right? Yeah. Uh, before it even aired, by the way. Before it even aired. Yeah. Right? I mean, we we really honed in. We wanted to make a 30-minute comedy. And the way you make a 30-minute comedy is it's just got to be funny. Funny's funny. I got that from Heather. I think from this podcast, <laughs> probably. Funny. <laughs> funny is funny. If, if, if something is funny, it's funny. Like, whether, whether it's a cheap joke or... Because me, I love potty humor. I think it's the funniest thing in the world. Marisa, on the other hand, will be like, that's stupid. I go... Did it make you laugh? <laughs> yes, but and so she'll be. But it's stupid. I go. Yeah, sometimes stupid is funny. Funny is funny. We're making a comedy. Make people laugh. Make a family sit at home and just watch a show and just relax. Take everything, all their pressures out of their out of their system. Sit down with your family and just enjoy. That makes me laugh because we were in the car the other day and he said something and I said that is not funny. That is not funny. And then he's like, and you're she's laughing. laughing while she's saying it. <laughs> so w- one thing that we always talk about um, on the show is advice to your younger self, and it's interesting because right, the three of us knew all of our younger selves. Obviously, Maurice, I didn't know you, but uh, what would you tell? What would you tell twenty-five-year-old Maurice? So I, um, when I was in developmental in Louisville, uh, Kentucky. Uh, it was a really hard time, you know, physically and mentally. And uh, I didn't know really how long I was going to be there when I left Montreal to go to Louisville. I was like, maybe I'll be there three months, maybe six months. And then um, it just, it was like a year. And I remember I put a sign on my wall, in my bedroom wall. And it says, uh, you, uh, you can always leave tomorrow. So that just, that phrase, you can always leave tomorrow, was there. So I could have always left the next day, but I kept staying and staying and staying. And I eventually got on the road and got like, um, to be performing in WWE and got my championship. And I got, it's just kind of, it's a great it point because all of our careers are a choice. Obviously right. you make some money and whatever. And I think for some people they feel really stuck, mm-hmm. you know, which is awful. Um, but it is a choice and you right. can always leave tomorrow. And I think that's fantastic advice. Right. Thanks. You can always leave tomorrow. <laughs> you can always leave Just tomorrow. not today. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Russell, 25-year-old Russell? I would say that it's okay to take a vacation without work. It's you know, true, right? It's, it's so true because I, up until I just had a baby a year and a half ago, I was constantly hustling, working, 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 working. I would go out in the field. I would travel, take two, three flights a week. Now that I have a child, I put everything in perspective. I'm not going to be forgotten just because I take a week off and go on vacation with my family, you know? And so, um, but I think that, you know, those 20 years of grinding finally paid off where I can take a vacation, you know, and have a a, a real life. 
I now, you know, I, I have work-life balance for the first time in my career. You know, I don't watch cuts past 9 p.m. Sorry, you'll get my cut notes in the morning, you know. And, and it's so, good for your work, too, good. because you're, sometimes you need time. Your mm-hmm. brain needs to, to rest and mm-hmm. think, because when you try to do so much at once, mm-hmm. it's to me, it's not the same result. Like, I love being pressured and doing a lot of work at right. once, but still, I know, okay, maybe I need to take a day or one night. And you wake up and you're just like, oh, okay. No. Like I got it's it. crazy yeah. how kids change things. Right. Change oh, but you don't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> or you just don't sleep at all. Oh, yeah. How about you, Mike? Me, 25-year-old Mike. Geez. Uh, I, I kind of go along with what Marie said. Like, I just keep doing exactly what you're doing when you're in developmental and for WWE. And every day I would wake up and I would go, one more day, you can do it. <laughs> I would motivate myself because mm-hmm. my body, I was mentally, physically, emotionally just drained down and down trying to make it, trying to, you know, become a WWE superstar. And, you know, no matter what, I was trying to just, the best advice I ever gotten was stick with it. Mm-hmm. It was from Billy Kidman. I remember it was at the Playboy Mansion, believe it or not. And I saw (laughs) Billy Kidman, who is a a former WWE superstar. And I went up to him and I was like, oh my God, a WWE superstar. This is when I was in developmental. And I was not developmental, I was training. I was not even developmental yet. And I was like, Sounds like you were really struggling too. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. When you're on the real world, you get your perks. And that was one of the perks. Um, And so I went up to him. I was like, hey, I'm training to be a WWE superstar. I want to be there. What do I have to do? He goes, stick with it. And that was the best advice because so many things will take you away Mm -hmm. from your goal. So many sacrifices. There are so many different things that take you, just just grab at you and and you go with it. And you're like, oh, wait, what about that dream? What about that goal? So I would say just stick with it to anyone out there. And, you know, when you have goals and you get those goals, find new goals that you can exceed and, and go for. I mean, one of our new goals now is to develop shows. And we're actually speaking with Russell. Um, we're, we're working on a new show coming out that I think is going to be a huge smash hit. And we're not even the stars of it. And we found this family that is just incredible. They're pretty great. And they're amazing. And they're loving. They're funny. Um, they have real jobs where they all work together and I mean, this is a show that I think will be a smash hit and mm-hmm. we're developing it right now, getting everything, all our dotting our I's and lowercase J's and uh, really kind of honing in and trying to make sure that this show is a smash hit for this family. Mm-hmm. Well, I love it. I love the advice you all three of you have given today. Um, I think it's a great reminder to people that your first jobs matter a lot. The people you work with matters a lot. Here, Maurice, you fly down to Los Angeles, right. marry the first person you meet. Totally. <laughs> a little weird. And also, I'm going to say, always be nice to everyone you work with. That is really important. Not because, you know, that's just, personally, that's just me. I'm, I'm, but I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is, it's very important to be extremely, you know, nice to everyone you work with. Because you also never know, uh, you know. I also think that it, being... Like, like I've, I've, I worked at Mr. Hero. I flipped burgers yeah. when I was a kid. You know, I, I was a, a stock boy at JC Penney. Hmm. I, I worked at, as a greeter shirt on, of course, at Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> um, but you know, like I've had the jobs where you had to grind and, and you're probably not wanting to be there. There's no mm-hmm. really goal. But I mean, with, with us, we try to make sure that when we're in production, 
that it's like a family. Mm -hmm. Everyone feels like they are part of doing something yeah, great. Like the sound people, like the lighting people. Like everyone, they, everyone has a really important job to do, and it's important to be nice to, to everyone. That's the thing. The, the crew on the show are obsessed with this show. They're constantly messaging me saying, they're so nice. I've never met a family like them. When's the next season start? Can I please work on the show? And it says a lot about them as people because they don't, Mike and Maurice, they don't make us put booties on when we walk in their house like some other families Maybe that I work on. Maybe you should start Now that you mention it. Yeah, but, now that they're stuck. But, but, but they truly are. They offer people like cookies. My mom just made these. Do you want them? Here, please take, you know, they're not like normal talent in that way. You yeah, know, well, people are people. And I do think that that gets lost a lot. And I think especially if you're starting out here and you're maybe not valued or you're a PA or, you know, an assistant, whatever, you think that it's going to be that way forever. It won't be that way forever if you put in the work mm -hmm. and if you're lucky enough to work with good people, because eventually they're going to be the stars of the show. They're going to be the executive producers and you're always going to remember how they made you feel. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, mm -hmm. well, I think you're... It helps a lot of people. I think you're helping Hope a lot so. of people with the show, entertaining a lot of people. I think, I think what we want to do is just make people laugh. Yeah, which There's is so help. much negativity in the world. Right. There's so much things going on that sometimes you just want to sit down on a couch and just laugh and escape your reality escape. and enter ours and just laugh. Yeah, well, I definitely laughed when I walked into your house and saw the giant home gym next to the baby, you know, <laughs> stuff that is, everywhere. That, that says yeah. us... In, I don't know if that, that's acceptable. Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, acceptable. I get to work out while watching my daughter play with her toys. Yeah. You know, you also lost your pool table to some little oh, yeah. letter no, box. No pool table. Like, literally, it's all just kids' toys. And we have this fancy restoration hardware couch with mats all over it. Because of our over. dogs get all over and get hair all over it. And so, it, yeah. It, it, Maurice likes to put plastic. I found something on Amazon a little bit better than plastic on my couch. You know. Well, I think pretty soon they're also going to have to change the title to uh, Ms. and Mrs. and Monroe and Madison. But oh, that's, yeah. that's a mouthful. Yeah, it's, right. it's a lot. A lot of M's. A lot of M's. Four yeah. M's. So, but, uh, but I thank you all. And I hope yeah, we get to do this again you, in 20 years. Thank you, man. It's good seeing you, by the way. Jeez. Looks Feels like, like forever. I know. And we I got... learn things about him every day. Like, I didn't know he's the guy that picked you up at the airport. That's just, yeah. what? Yeah, first time I ever went to LA. I? And like... by the way, I'll never forget. Noah would go, Noah, when we first got there, I go, how far are we away from uh, Buna Murray? He goes, 20 minutes. Go, how, away from, how far are we from your house? 20, 20 minutes. minutes. Everything is 20 <laughs> minutes in LA, but nothing is 20 minutes in LA. Uh, yeah, well, it's true. All right, final piece of advice. I love it. All, All right. right. And yeah, I think it will take me a little bit more than 20 minutes to get home. Yes, it will. 100%. And now we'll talk next time we talk, I'll, I'll talk to you about the real world. Because <laughs> she'll actually watch it. Watch it. That's the storyline for our new, uh, our next episode of Music Misses. Definitely happening. All right. Love you guys. Thanks, man. Thank you. So there you have it. The true story of Ms. and Mrs. Thanks to Greg Mercer for creating our show art and to Chris Carmichael for composing our music and for all things technical. You can find their respective work at gregorymercer.com and christophercarmichael.com. Thank you as well to our guests, Russell J. Staglick and Mike and Maurice Mizanin. And to my wonderful family for all of their help and support. Also, please do subscribe to Exec Producer wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Instagram at EP with NP. And since collaboration is at the heart of this project, I'd love to hear from you, the listeners. Please reach out with what you liked, what you didn't like, and any ideas for future episodes. So thank you again for listening, and please come back next time. I'm your host, Noah Pollock. Choose kind.